Oh, it's great to see everybody here today. Are you ready? Amen. There's a sense of anticipation. Let me ask you again. Are you ready? Yes. Are you ready? Yes. Are you ready to be a man on fire? Yes. Are you ready to be a woman on fire? Yes. This boy is on fire. <laughs> oh, my. I heard about this brush fire that broke out in the country. And the fire department responded, the county fire department, but it soon got out of hand and they were overwhelmed by it. So they called in reinforcements and they asked the volunteer fire department to join them. Well, here come the volunteers and they drive up in this old broken down fire truck. And by now the fire has spread to a, a barn and Boy, the barn is engulfed in flames. And that fire truck, though, those volunteers, man, with great boldness and courage, they drive right in through the front doors of that barn, jump out. I mean, flames are everywhere, but they're all over it. And before you know it, they've put the fire out. Well, the guy who owned the barn was so impressed, he wrote them a check for $5,000, and he walked up to the volunteer fire chief and he said that was amazing here's five thousand dollars what do you think you'll do with the money and the fire chief said well the first thing we're going to do is get the brakes fixed on that truck <laughs> i don't know how we ended up in the fire a man on fire a woman on fire as we look over the next five weeks at a prophet in the bible by the name of Elijah. It seems that fire follows Elijah wherever he goes. Fire falls down from heaven. Fire takes him up into heaven. He's a man on fire, a man on fire for God. And as we lean into him, my prayer for all of us is that the fire in him would ignite a fire in us. Maybe this weekend you would say, just being real, Ken, the fire in my life for God has gone out. There's only a spark. There's only embers and ashes. Well, friend, if you bring who you are and where you're at to God, God is able to take that spark and turn it into a flame. He's able to take that flame and turn it into a blazing fire. On fire for God as we enter the new year in 2024. That is what I'm believing for. And as we look at this man on fire, the life of Elijah, over the next few weeks, we're going to learn all kinds of things. We're going to learn about change and transition we're going to learn about boldness and courage. And we're going to learn about uh, mentoring and influence. But today, I want us to look at the power of, well, would you look at this picture right here? I want you to look at the power of prayer. That prayer has the power to change the climate. Now, 
Elijah's story is found in the Old Testament, but we're going to start in the New Testament and make our way back. So if you would, I'm going to invite you to stand with me, please, for the reading of God's word in James chapter 5. It says this about Elijah and the power of prayer. I invite you to say this with me. Those who are watching online, say this with me. Let's fill this place with the word of God. Everyone say it. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Prayer had the power to stop the rain. Prayer had the power to bring the rain. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Do you believe that today? Would you own that today? Amen. Father, thank you for our cathedral family and our guests and friends who are with us. They've created time at the start of this new year to come and meet you in this moment, to surrender this year to you. And God, I pray over the next few moments that from your word, you would, by the power of your spirit, speak to each of our hearts that we would leave here with our faith built up in you and what you're able to do through our prayer. And it's in Jesus' name and for Jesus' glory we pray this. All God's people said amen. amen. Can we give God praise one more time? Amen. Oh, did you bring your umbrella? It looks like there's rain in the forecast. Look at somebody before you're seated and tell them there's rain in the forecast. Go ahead. Never underestimate the power of prayer. That prayer has the power to change the climate. So let me ask you a question, metaphorically. Where could you use a change in the climate in your life? Where do you need the heavens to open up? Where do you need the blessing of God to rain down upon you? Where do you need the drought in your life to end? Where do you need for there to be a breakthrough? Is there a marriage that is severely strained? Are there kids who have strayed away? Are there finances that have dried up? Is there a career that has been stalled? Is there health that needs to be restored? Where do you need there to be a climate change in your life? One thing I'm praying for is for there to be a spiritual climate change in the Bay Area. Amen. Amen. Would you agree with me? I grew up in the Bay Area. I love the Bay Area. 
And yet the Bay Area is one of the most secular areas in the country. Sociologists say it's the only major metropolitan area in our country to never have experienced a spiritual way awakening. And I have such a burden. I have a burden that there would be a breakthrough and a change in the spiritual climate in the Bay Area. That more and more people would put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That more and more people would find and fulfill the dream that Jesus has for them. That more and more people would, well, give Jesus the honor and glory that he deserves. I don't want to see it sprinkle. I want to see a downpour that changes the Bay Area, the churches, the schools, the politics, the media. Can somebody say amen to that? I'm believing for a downpour. Have you ever been caught in a downpour? You know, we once were with uh, another couple from the church, and we had the chance to go visit the city of London. And while we were there, we took a walking tour. It was a Shakespeare Dickens walking tour. We were getting cultured. And at the end of the walking tour, well, we decided to walk to the theater. We had tickets that night. And as you can see, the clouds moved in from nowhere. The rain came down. The rain wasn't coming down. It was coming sideways. We were caught in the middle of this downpour. And even though we had an umbrella, we got drenched. It was crazy. I want you to get that picture in your mind because that's the kind of downpour I'm believing for that there would be such a downpour in the Bay Area that even if you had your umbrella, you're going to end up getting drenched. Can somebody say amen to that? Yeah. Where do you need a climate change? The man that we celebrate and remember this weekend, the great Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., he prayed a prayer. He was a pastor who believed in the power of prayer. And he prayed a prayer. I read it this week, and I thought, you know, that prayer is just as relevant today as it was back then. He prayed, God, we thank you for the inspiration of Jesus. Grant that we will love you with all our hearts, souls, and minds, and love our neighbors as we love ourselves, even our enemy neighbors. And we ask you, God, in these days of emotional tension, when the problems of the world are gigantic in extent and chaotic in detail, to be with us in our going out and our coming in, in our rising up and in our lying down, in our moments of joy and in our moments of sorrow, until the day when there shall be no sunset and no dawn and all God's people said, Amen to that. Amen. Where do you need a change in the climate? The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective, and that kind of prayer is within your reach. That kind of prayer is possible for you. Of course, we read about Elijah and God hearing and answering the prayers of Elijah, and we say, oh, of course God would. I mean, look at Elijah. 
Elijah is the most powerful prophet in the Old Testament. Elijah is mentioned more times in the New Testament than any other Old Testament figure. He's mentioned more than David. He's mentioned more than Abraham. He's mentioned more than Moses. Of course God's going to hear his prayer. When Elijah went to heaven, he didn't even have to die to get there. God sent a chariot to usher him up into heaven. And today, when our Jewish friends, when they celebrate Passover, they leave a chair empty at the table for Elijah. And they go open the door and they check to see if Elijah is there. And they have a cup that they drink. It's called the Elijah cup. Of course God would hear his prayer. But Elijah's in a different league. He's way up here. And I'm way down here at a whole different level. And then we're struck by what the Bible says. We read a moment ago in James that Elijah was a human being just like us. Just like us. Would you say that with me? Just like us. It's an amazing thing to think about. That Elijah was an ordinary man who lived an extraordinary life. He was an, he was an ordinary man who prayed extraordinary prayers. And the reason he lived the way he lived and prayed the way he prayed because he served an extraordinary God. That was the key. In fact, the name Elijah, when you break it down, the Yah at the end is short for Yahweh. And the Eli at the beginning is short for Elohim. And when you put those two things together, Elijah, it means Yahweh is God. Elijah served this extraordinary God. Now there were other gods that were worshipped in that day. One of them was named Baal. There were lots of people who worshipped Baal. And it's interesting. Baal was the one who was supposed to be able to control the rain. And yet, when this story about climate change happens in the Old Testament, the people see that Baal is not in control of the rain. Yahweh is the one who is control of the rain. He can stop the rain. He can bring the rain. And that's why powerful, effective prayers are within our reach because the God of Elijah is within our reach and nothing is too hard for him. Amen? Nothing is too hard for him. Elijah was a human being just like us. He was a righteous man, but he wasn't a perfect man. If being righteous meant being perfect, then that kind of prayer would be out of our reach. It would be way out of my reach because I'm far from perfect. Now, I did see this one cat, and as you can see up here, well, he thinks he's perfect. And yet we know that there's only been one human being in history 
that has lived a perfect life, and his name is Jesus Christ. The good news is this. You don't have to be perfect in order to be righteous. Being righteous means that you have a heart for God, that you have a love for God, that you're trying to live for God, and that you have made things right with God. If you would say, my life is not right with God, you can leave here today knowing that your life is right with God. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 1, it says, if we claim to have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness and unrighteousness. Can we give God praise? Amen. How he cleanses us from our unrighteousness. Do you believe that? Do you really believe that? That that kind of prayer, powerful and effective prayer, is within your reach? That's the first takeaway from the story. The second takeaway is this, is that this kind of prayer, what it does is it takes hold of a promise. It takes hold of a promise. Now, turning from the New Testament to the Old Testament, we read that God says to Elijah, this is God speaking to Elijah, go and present yourself to King Ahab. Tell him that I will soon send rain. That's the promise of God. And so what does Elijah go? He goes and tells King Ahab. He says, go get something to eat and drink for I hear a mighty rainstorm coming. Now at that point, what do you think Elijah would do? Now, I would think that Elijah would grab his umbrella and that he would go find a seat and he would wait for it to start to rain. He had heard the promise. He had told others about the promise. And he would go and wait somewhere for that promise to come to pass. And yet look what Elijah does. The Bible says, Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel and bowed low to the ground and prayed and prayed. Say that with me. And prayed with his face between his knees. What does he do? He takes a posture that was similar to the way women would give birth in that day because that's what prayer does. Prayer is what gives birth to the promise of God. The promise does not keep him from prayer. The promise moves him to prayer because prayer is what gives birth to the promise. There are, yeah, let's give God praise. Amen. Some of the promises of God are unconditional. But many of the promises of God are conditional. And the way that those promises show up from heaven 
here on earth is when we take hold of that promise through prayer. In this sense, well, it's a little bit like this book I have. I have a book, and this is a new children's book by our dear friend Roma Downey. It's called A Message in the Moon, and I want to give this book to somebody. Where Does anybody have a granddaughter? Let me see. Right over here, you have a granddaughter? Well, let me come back here. Can we catch me on the camera over here? Now, I want you to have this book. Do you want to have this book? She wants to have this book. I want you to have it. You want to have it. So all you have to do is stand up, reach out, and take the book. Let's freeze it right there. Everybody lock in on this image. Because this is what prayer does. God wants us to have something. We want to have what God wants us to have. And through prayer, we reach out and we take hold of the promise. Thanks to our volunteer. How about if we give her a hand? Yeah. That is what prayer does. Prayer reaches out and takes hold of the promise. That's why your prayer matters in seeing heaven show up here on earth. Look at all the times Jesus told us to ask. He says in Matthew chapter 7, even though you're evil, you know how to give good gifts to your children. So how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who what? Ask him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you what? Ask for in prayer. Believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, what? Ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Jesus encourages us to ask. Because in prayer, we take hold of the promise. Billy Graham, the great spiritual leader, once said, heaven is full of answers to prayers for which no one ever bothered to ask. In 2024, if we want more, if we want more of God's mercy, if we want more of God's favor, if we want more of God's wisdom, if we want more of God's grace, if we want more of God's strength, if we want more rain, I don't want some of what God wants me to have. I don't want most of what God wants me to have. I want all that God wants me to have in 2024. Anybody else want that? I don't want more than what God wants me to have, but I don't want less than what God wants me to have. And the way I take hold of what God wants me to have is through prayer. Prayer takes hold of the promise. See, what the promise does is it reveals to us the will of God, and the word of God. And when we pray in line with his will and his word, in James chapter four, it says, you do not have because you do not what? Ask God. You ask and yet do not receive because you ask wrongly. I mean, there are some things in my life that I can pray about. I'm just not sure how God feels about it. I believe in miracles. And I'm praying that my team is going to make the playoffs next year. (laughs) I have not given up hope. 
but I don't know how God feels about that. For all I know, God may be a 49er fan. Who knows, right? (laughs) But when I pray according to the promise, and I'm praying according to the will of God and the word of God, that's where the promise made in heaven, it shows up here on earth. More in 2024, it happens when we believe that our prayer can be powerful and effective because of the God we serve. And we believe in God's promise, and so we're praying according to his will and according to his word. And then finally, we persevere. We persevere until we see a breakthrough. I heard about this little boy, and he came up to his parents one day, and he said, Dad, he said, could I have a new bike? And and the dad said, well, you can't have a new bike, but if you pray before too long, you may end up with a baby brother. (laughs) So the little boy prayed. He prayed for a month, prayed for two months, prayed for three months, no baby brother. So he just stopped. Well, a few months later, the parents come home from the hospital and they don't have one baby boy. They have two twin baby boys. And the dad asked his son, he says, now aren't you glad you prayed for a baby brother? And the little boy said, yeah, dad, but aren't you glad I stopped when I did? (laughs) Perseverance in prayer. Look at what happens when Elijah prays and then he says to his servant in 1 Kings 18, After he prayed, he said, go and look out toward the sea. The servant went and looked, then returned to Elijah and said, I didn't see anything. Has that ever happened to you? You pray, and it doesn't look like anything is happening. It doesn't look like anything is happening. That's when it takes perseverance. You have to pray and pray again. God always, always, always answers our prayer. In his wisdom, God may say yes. In his wisdom, God may say no. And in his wisdom, God may say, persevered. God sees more than I see. We don't understand all the reasons why. But when we pray and God says, persevere, we pray and pray again. Elijah prayed six times, and every time it looked like nothing is happening. What if he would have stopped at six? But when he gets to the seventh time, there's something about the number seven. In the Bible, when Joshua and the people march around the city of Jericho. They march around the city for seven days. And on the seventh day, they march around it seven times. And the walls fall down. What if he would have stopped at six? Elisha, who follows the prophet Elijah, he told a man by the name of Naaman who was suffering from leprosy, go and dip yourself in the river seven times. 
And he went and dipped in the river seven times. And when he came out on the seventh time, he was healed. What if he would have stopped at six? I don't know. When we're praying and we're praying again and we're praying again, who knows? You may be right around the corner from the breakthrough you need. That breakthrough may be one prayer away. It may be one prayer away, that breakthrough in your marriage, that breakthrough with your kids, that breakthrough with your finances, that breakthrough in your career, that breakthrough may be just one more prayer away. And so that's why I want to encourage you, don't give up. Don't give up. In fact, I found this one little guy. I want him to encourage you. Perseverance. Don't give up, buddy. Don't give up. Say that with me. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, don't give up. Because on that seventh time, on that seventh time, the Bible says, The black clouds filled the sky. The wind came up and a heavy rain began to fall. Ahab rode off to Jezreel. The power of the Lord came on Elijah. He tucked his coat into his belt and he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. I love that. He ran half a marathon, 13 and a half miles. And I was thinking to myself, When you've been praying and it looks like nothing has been happening and I know what it is to be there, to pray and pray again, to pray and pray again, to pray and pray again and yet it seems like nothing at all is happening and the heavens are silent And yet you don't give in. You ask and you keep on asking. You seek and you keep on seeking. You knock and you keep on knocking. And one day, one day, one day, when the heavens open up, you feel like singing. You feel like dancing. You feel like running. Don't give up. That breakthrough you need may be just one prayer away. In just a moment, we are going to pray. That's the most appropriate thing we could do after reading this story. But before we do, Martin Luther, actually Martin Luther King Jr. was named after his dad, and his dad was named after the great spiritual reformer, Martin Luther. And Martin Luther once said this about prayer. He said, none can believe how powerful prayer is and what it is able to affect, but those who have learned it by experience. And I'm going to invite two very dear friends to come up and share with you their experience on the power of prayer to change the climate. Would you give a great big hand to Carl and Leslie Gardino? Carl.
Pastor Ken, thank you, and we just love being a part of the Cathedral family. Here are three of the ugliest words in the English language. You have cancer. But four of the greatest words in any language, God is in control. Amen. It was December 28th, 2016. Leslie and I were on family vacation with our daughters, Jessica and Sienna. After more than a year of trying, we had been approved to foster adopt a baby boy, born as the ninth child of a brave homeless woman somewhere here in Silicon Valley. All nine of those children in our foster care system. Then, that day, the call came in. My doctor, Carl, you have cancer. My dad died from prostate cancer. His dad died from prostate cancer. I now was diagnosed with prostate cancer. My wife, Leslie, and I had a huge decision to make. Do we go through with foster adopting a baby boy, born meth addicted, a third child in our family, if it was now possible that I would be leaving Leslie as a widow with three children? Our week of vacation fun became a week of prayer for God's will. Do we move forward with the foster adoption or do we put the brakes on and call it off? One of my favorite Old Testament passages is in the 23rd Psalm. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Just because we were in the valley of the shadow of death didn't mean death. We decided to trust God and adopt our son. So those were some scary days and some days that required faith without seeing anything to put our trust in except Jesus. And he gave us some, um, some signs, I would say, that week when we were on vacation that gave us an indication that led us through that dark place to keep our trust in God and know that our son was meant to be our son. And we also brought in some really trusted friends to pray with us and if you're going through anything that's difficult like this, I would encourage you to bring in some trusted friends and pray with them. One of those dear, dear friends became the uh, godfather of our son. Um, his name is Sam Licardo. You all have met him many times, but he went into that dark place with us and prayed with us and walked through it with us and was intentional in prayer um, with us through this whole process. Um, but there was one night when we were kind of in the depths of despair and, and we were having dinner and Carl just looked at me and he said, um, Jake is meant to be our son 
And we just walked in faith in that. We didn't know what was going to come around the next corner, um, but we just trusted and, uh, and just kept praying for it to work out. Now, my prostate cancer was two different lesions in my prostate. Every three to six months, I would travel to UCSF for my doctor to conduct rather invasive procedures that left me wiped out for several days, and he measured the cancer's progress. About four years ago, during one of those uh, very invasive uh, procedures, my doctor said, hmm, and I asked him, what does that mean when a doctor says, hmm? <laughs> and he said, one of the cancer lesions has disappeared. Over the last four years, those exams have continued. Then last fall, during one of those exams, my doctor said, hmm, again. The second cancer lesion had disappeared. Pastor Ken talked about the power of seven. That was seven years after my diagnosis. We took a risk when we foster adopted our son, Jacob Zachary, seven years ago. The reality was that we were precisely in God's will. Pastor today spoke about God's fire. It's exciting to know God is with us even when we are going through the world's fire. Amen. Thank Amen. you. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's give God praise for the power, the power that is released through prayer and trust. I'm going to invite you to stand. Everyone stand. Let's stay in this atmosphere, locked into what God wants to do. Pastor Shelley, come and join me. She's been leading us through these 21 days of prayer and fasting that we're in as a church. And I'm going to invite Shelley to come and lead us in prayer and to pray over us. Again, I don't know where you're at in your journey. I don't know where you need the climate changed in your world. But that breakthrough may be one more prayer away. So don't give in. Don't give up. Pastor Shelley, would you lead us in prayer? Thank you, Jesus. God, we thank you this morning. We thank you, God, for the power of your Holy Spirit. God, we thank you for your faithfulness this morning. We thank you that you are not a respecter of persons. And God, if you did it before, God, you will do it again. So we thank you, God, for what you did for Carl. We thank you, God, for the people that are in this room that have experienced your power. And we cry out to you in this moment, God. And we ask in the name of Jesus that you would pour out your spirit in this sanctuary this morning. That you would let your glory reign in this place today. We are believing God 
your word is true, we know, God, that nothing is impossible with you. And so we cry out to you, God. We look to you. We look to you because our help comes from you. So move in this place, God. Move in this place. Touch your people. Heal your people. Deliver your people. Set your people free. Raise your people up from the bed of affliction. God, we cry out to you, God. Cancer is not bigger than you. The name of Jesus is above the name of cancer. The name of Jesus is above every other name. And we cry out to you, God. Let your Holy Spirit move right now, God. Do that which only you can do. Touch your people, God, for your glory and honor. God, we're crying out to you. We're seeking you, God. We're asking you, God. We're knocking, God. We're knocking on your door, God. We're knocking. Do that which only you can do, God. Do it for your glory, God. Do it for your honor, God. Pour out your spirit, Lord. Pour out your Do it, God. We trust you, God. We trust you, God. We trust you, God. We're looking to you, God, to heal our family, Lord. To heal and deliver, Lord. To do that which is impossible in our eyes. Nothing is impossible with you. So we cry to you, God, and we thank you. Thank you for what you're doing in this place, God. Thank you for moving by your spirit, God. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you, God. We honor you, God. We thank you. Miracles are in this place. Miracles are in this place. Miracles are in this place. Y'all better reach up your hand. Y'all better grab it for yourself. Y'all better ask God for yourself because he's here today and he'll do it for you. He did it for Pastor Ken. He did it for Carl. He did it for Pastor Vaughn. He'll do it for you. He'll do it for you. He'll do it for you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Shout hallelujah.
we come 2024. Amen. Just a couple of things before I dismiss you. First of all, I want to thank, uh, would you thank the worship team for leading us in such a powerful time? I want that to get in your spirit all month long during this time of prayer and fasting. And then I'm going to ask for your prayer. Uh, right after service, I'm driving up to Oakland and uh, our friend Sheila E., they're naming a street after her and her family up in the city of Oakland today. And they've asked me to come and say a prayer at the service. So would you say a little prayer for me when I go up there? But I'm believing more in 24 for you, for your family. And I want to speak God's blessing over you as you go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine brightly upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you and give you his peace. And may the rain of God's favor fall on you and your household. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. All God's people said, amen. God bless you to go.